All right, guys, before we jump into what is going to be an action-packed show, got to tell you about our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee. You know, a lot of people think now the Broncos offense might need some caffeine, and Strava Craft Coffee would be the perfect place for them to get that. Um, the best thing about Strava is you won't get those coffee jitters because the CBD infusion in there will keep you calm. It also could help you with aches and pains, chronic headaches, whatever you may be having. Uh, Strava Craft Coffee is the perfect place for you to go. And when you use the code DNVR25, you'll get 25% off your first order from Strava Craft Coffee, which is one hell of a deal. Once you decide you love it, you can sign up for a subscription. They'll send it straight to your door every two, four, six, or eight weeks without you ever having to put in credit card info or anything like that. And you'll continue to get 20% off every time. So check out StravaCraftCoffee.com. DNVR and we are live from Studio A. The A stands for a starting quarterback. Yes, let's go. <laughs> and a guest today. We've got uh, Tim Jenkins here. Um, he is, I mean, perfect for this show because he breaks down quarterbacks on his YouTube channel. It's All Things QB. Is that correct? All Things QB. All Things yep. QB. You can check out all of his breakdowns there. He's done some great work, uh, and we're gonna have all of his analysis today on the Broncos' new starting quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater. And all things QB on this show. I mean, Tim, it's perfect to have you on today. And finally, guys, we have a quarterback. And finally, I got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. MSUDenver.edu slash online is where you can scope out all they have to offer. Uh, 750 total classes, 45 plus online and hybrid programs. And there's no better place to go if you're looking to maintain a full-time job and further that education because MSU Denver students work twice as many hours as students attending any other college or institution. So check them out. MSU Denver, 
.edu slash online. My boys, what's up, Tim? I'm happy to have you. And I mean, what just a, a perfect day to talk quarterbacks with Tim. And uh, what, 17 minutes ago, I think the Broncos named their starting quarterback. It's Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I'll go around the uh, around the, the circle here and just ask, Tim, we'll start with you. Your initial reaction when you heard the news. Well, first, I'm pumped up to join you guys. Plus, now I know about MSU Denver. I didn't graduate. You know, I left a little early for the draft, so that was great. That's great. Now I can go and finish that. Finally Slight made. flex. But, uh, <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I, I don't think anyone should be surprised that the organization who took a corner, right, instead of a first-round quarterback is now leaning towards let's win with a defensive mindset, right? I don't, I don't think that's it's, like, point. shocking mm-hmm. how – I was going to be more interested if they went lock because that's almost like, okay, we built this team to maybe win like the Jets did back in the day with Sanchez and Rex Ryan, and then now we're going to go with more of a loose cannon. So I, I don't think there should be surprise there. Um, I mean, my initial reaction is it's kind of a bummer from the standpoint of, man, I'd love to see what Judy and Sutton and KJ could do down the field. And it's not that Teddy can't push the ball down the field. It's just willingness to. Uh, at times. So I think uh, it's a bummer from that perspective. In terms of actually winning football games right now, I totally get why the Broncos went that direction. I think anyone who has watched the preseason or any of Drew last year would probably get that as well. Nice. You know, I think that's a really good point. And also, the way they want to win, you look at the drives that Teddy led the last couple weeks. Don't want to put too much on the preseason games, but they're these clock-churning, sustained drives. Six minutes, there was that one on Saturday that was nine minutes and 47 seconds. And even though Drew, Drew did some really good things that I'm sure we'll get into over the course of this podcast, the way they want to win is by controlling the clock, not going three and out, that's more of what Teddy represents. Basically, just kind of, he, he's not going to try to get to the green in two. It's going to get you on the green in three. No surprise is my initial reaction. This was something that I had been expecting at least, I mean, probably for the last couple of months, honestly, since they brought Teddy in, I thought he was going to be the guy. And then, especially when they didn't name Drew the starter after he had his incredible game, and then Teddy went out and did what he did. After that game on Saturday, they couldn't have gone Drew Locke. At least right now, I didn't feel like they could have because it just, I think a lot of fans would have been happy. And Tim, I think when you say you're bummed out because you don't get to see, I think most fans are probably bummed out right now and seeing the reaction on social media. But this was something where if Vic Fangio was truly making the decision and that's what we were told, this was going to be the outcome unless Locke won both preseason games. And obviously, he won one, lost one. Yeah, I instantly thought of the conversation we had on the pod yesterday. And Mm -hmm. I'll see if you guys agree. But I asked Zach, if your life was on the line week one and you had to choose a starting quarterback to play against the Giants, who would you choose? And we both chose Teddy. Would you guys choose the same thing? Yeah, life on the line for one game against a team that you should beat. And you should beat if you just don't screw this up. I'd probably go with Teddy. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Life I, for me, it's it's. Uh, I'd answer it in two ways. Life on the line. I have to beat the Giants. Yeah, I'm going Teddy. Life on the line. I need to win my division. Oh yeah, right. I'm going Drew Locke because mm-hmm. the reality is, is as good as we think this Denver defense is, there are dudes in this division that are carving people up. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. Justin Herbert's not a guy that you look at when you looked at his tape as a as a rookie. He wasn't a guy that you were like. Oh, man, they really surprised people schematically. No, they ran what they ran with Tyrod. He just didn't make any mistakes in the pass game, right? So mm-hmm. when you look at these guys, as excited as, as I am about, right, I, I think they're going to do really well in this first 
uh, month of the season because I think the way their schedule stacks yep. up. So, yeah, life on mm -hmm. the line, I got to beat the Giants. Right. Yeah, I'm going Teddy. But and I also think life on the line of, hey, I want to extend myself mm -hmm. as an NFL coach. Mm -hmm. and I need to win a division or I need to at least be competitive enough to hopefully be in the wild card. I, I don't know. I don't know if Teddy's <laughs> tough sell for me. <laughs> so uh, for me, it's, it's obviously Teddy, you go there, and, and obviously no one's life is on the line, but I think Vic Fangio's job is on the line. He cannot afford to go anything less than 2-1 and one in the first three games. you get got the Giants, the Jags, and the Jets. You have three young quarterbacks. I guess Daniel Jones, is, is he still young? I don't know. He looks young. Third year. He's, <laughs> he plays young. Is Drew Locke young? We we say he is. Yeah. Then Daniel yeah. Jones yeah. is young. They're so, the same draft yeah. class. Yeah, I mean, so three young quarterbacks, three teams that have been bad for years. You have to go out there and at the very least go two and one. And honestly, we're going to be disappointed if they go two and one because whatever one of those games they lose, we're going to say they should have won. So right. that's the way Vic Fangio had to look at this. And I just think he ends up going with the guy with less variance. He mm -hmm. says, you know what? If Teddy can go out there and just be Teddy – in those three games, we should win. I think this defense is going to slaughter those three quarterbacks, and they will come out 3-0. And, and everyone's perspective on this is all going to change. Now, it could, they could come back to earth really quick in the next two weeks against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, but they also could go win those games. So, to me, winning cures everything. You've got a fan base right now that is very divided. I think maybe tomorrow we can start the healing process uh, for, for, the, for the Drew fans. Um, but I really do think winning is going to be what, what cures this. And winning is what's going to save Vic Fangio's job. I think that, in the end, is what it came down to. And the other thing I thought about was the conversation we had the other day where I was like, to us, we're grading it different than the coaches do because we, I mean, Tim knows better than we do even, but we don't know what the play was. We don't know, you know, what the read was, what the progression was. They can see all that stuff. And I think when they went back and they watched every practice and they watched every rep, they said, okay, more often than not, Teddy is making the right read. He's reading the defense the right way pre-snap. Uh, and it just makes them feel a little bit more comfortable when they go out there on Sunday. Yeah, I think I think what you brought up is a really great point. And you guys honestly would have a better feel than me from the training camp practices yeah. because mm -hmm. I'd be willing to bet, that, you know, if if you could bet this on DraftKings, I'd do it. I'd be willing to bet that you, if you just great, if you just got Shermer's grades from the preseason games, Drew graded out higher. Because even mm. with the twos, he would have graded out higher than Teddy was with the twos in Minnesota. Now, Why do you the, say that? Because I saw you say that yesterday. Yeah. The numbers look better for Teddy against the twos. Yeah, there's no doubt the numbers look better. But when you look at so when you talk about that play, do you guys remember when he checked it down and it just made it a closer field goal? Yes. That's a negative pass decision because the progression starts with the deep hank that was wide open over the wall. So when you're a coach and you evaluate that, you don't go, oh, well, it was at least a completion. You go, why the hell did you not drive the deep hank? I get this call twice a game and you effed it up, right? That's right, like right. a coach's mindset. Um, so I would be willing to bet, though, with them making this decision that Teddy graded out a lot better consistently throughout practice, which is going to factor in almost even more when you're going ones-on-ones -on -ones in practice right. than ones versus whoever's playing for Minnesota or ones right. versus whoever's playing for Seattle. So I think that's probably where I'd be willing to bet Teddy consistently graded out better, and if it was very similar, a slight edge to Drew in the preseason, then it doesn't matter because I, I care more about what they're doing one-on-one -on -one in practice. Do you think that practice afforded Bridgewater the opportunity to look better than Drew Locke did? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. because I think Drew's 
if you were sold on Drew, it's part of what he did on the last drive with the with the flip pass, right? It's right. part of his escapability. Right. In practice, I still would look great because if I know Von Miller can't touch me, boy, I'm standing in there and I'm, I'm good, <laughs> yeah. right? But the reality is, is when it comes to where these guys actually can hit you and then escapability matters. And not to say Teddy's limited because we saw Teddy punch it in with that, mm-hmm. with that red zone yep. touchdown. He navigated the pocket really well in Seattle. Yeah. So Teddy's just a different kind of mobility. It's like talking about you know Stafford and those guys where the mobility comes within the pocket versus mm-hmm. extending the play right it's two different kind of mobilities but I do think you know it makes sense uh, I am one of those guys that I would say and, and this is going to say sound crazy if this was the mindset all along in terms of finding the safe guy who could help us win though to me I would almost bang the table and make the argument of we should have traded back and grabbed Mac Jones. Because if, if that was really the mindset of, hey, you know, we want to win by being really good on defense and having a quarterback who makes more smart decisions, I don't know if anyone's graded out better in the preseason than that kid. So well, that's and where. Drew is never going to be that guy. Yeah, and Drew, it, yeah, he's never going to be that guy. He really isn't. Drew's going to be the kind of guy, I think, in the league that you just kind of live with, more or less Fitzpatrick in Washington and Fitzpatrick kind of mm-hmm. where he's been. I mean, what do you think of a gunslinger? And that's what Drew calls himself. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I think that's exactly what Drew is. And and if they were going to go the safe route, I almost would make the argument for they should have got Mac Jones in here over Teddy Bridgewater. I understand how Mm -hmm. everything played out, um, but they're yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Well, I think I mean, especially (laughs) since you mentioned Mac Jones, maybe later in the show we can talk about these other questions. You know, specifically Mac and Justin Fields, guys Mm -hmm. that the Broncos could have had. How you compare that? But one of the things you said, Ryan, about being comfortable and, and more of the safe choice that, that you talked about, Tim, as well. A few hints we heard from players was just about the comfortability with Teddy Bridgewater, specifically in the huddle. I think Graham Glasgow uh, kind of t- kind of touched on that a little bit. And, and we started to hear these. So you wonder how much those thoughts also played into this decision. And if they talked to veteran players to, to see, okay, how much better is Teddy in the huddle? We did see in training camp, I think it was two weeks ago, we saw a couple false starts and some miscommunications at the line, and those were all withdrew when he was there. And maybe all of these smaller things, mm-hmm. especially in practice, like you're saying, is what played into it. To me, that's 100% what I think it is. Yeah. It was a you know, a stacking of little things. Um, I think that Vic Fangio, when he saw Teddy step up in the pocket on that throw to Judy, was like mm-hmm. beside himself, just so happy. Well, then he made the um, comment after the game where he said, at least in that area, that specific attribute, there's a little bit of Tom Brady. Right. And like, you know what? I mean, it silly, sounds absurd on the surface, but, is. you know, we, we talk about <laughs> it's okay to say a quarterback who is mediocre among starters has an attribute that a great quarterback has. We're not saying that Teddy Bridgewater is Tom Brady. But that being said, when Vic makes Vic throws around compliments like manhole covers yeah. to use what was said about Herb Brooks back in the day. <laughs> and you know what? He throws that sort of thing out. Yeah. I think all of us who heard it after the game on Saturday like, whoa. Yeah, he's talking about one attribute. Yep. But Tom Brady? And, and I think that, you know, from the start, Vic... I think from the second they didn't get Aaron Rodgers, Vic was leaning Teddy Bridgewater. And when you're leaning a certain way, it makes it a lot easier to notice those little things that we talked about, um, like stepping up in the pocket, like uh, you know, uh, communicating in the huddle. Like Little things like that can further convince you that you're right in thinking that that's going to be the guy. And I really do think that's the way. Not that there's you know some conspiracy here that Drew didn't get a fair shake. I just think you know um, most people say they don't have a favorite child. 
I I don't have kids, but I think that's a lie. Um, <laughs> I've got three of them. You definitely have a favorite. Yes. My daughter, <laughs> so my daughter a... grades out way higher than my two boys. So. Whoa, you actually put that on record. <laughs> so uh, he had a favorite child, and you know his favorite child went out there and made him proud. Yeah, exactly. And Ryan, we talked about it yesterday. It really felt like there finally was separation in Vic's mind because instead of saying even Steven, he was saying it's close. And then also mm -hmm. the comments after the game. Mm -hmm. And then when asked about Drew after the game, he said, I have to go and look at the tape. But he didn't say that about Teddy Bridgewater. So it seemed like it was there, but at least they made a decision now. You get a full practice in today. They didn't make it after practice today. You get another practice tomorrow. And, Tim, one of the things we talked about was how important it was when they knew who the guy was to make the decision to get all of these practices in. And, I mean, you know it better than anyone. How important is it for Teddy now to get the starting reps, 80 or 90% of them, in practice this week, next week, and game week instead of missing out on maybe one or two of these weeks? Yeah, I want to touch on one thing you guys brought up, which is that comfortability in the pocket because I'll never forget – when I was in St. Louis, we had Bradford, but we also had Kellen Clemens, who had been in the NFL for like 15 years by the time I was there. <laughs> Watching those dudes operate, and you would notice on tape, so Drew had a lot more receiver bust with the twos, meaning the receiver just clearly ran the wrong route. Mm -hmm. Like no one on planet Earth would scheme it up the way that it ended up looking. Right. One thing that vets tend to do in the huddle is, hey, you tag everything in the NFL. So it's like, hey, twins right, gun, scat right, F ship, X comeback. But they tend to look at the receiver. So it's, hey, X comeback, F yeah. ship. So these young guys, right, who aren't used to hearing a play call that long, right. mm -hmm. really then dial in and run it. Now, Teddy had a couple of busts as well, but it just was a, a much smaller sample size. So that's one thing yeah. that probably is a very valid deal when you're looking at it is that, hey, you know, everyone was more comfortable with them. In terms of the reps, I, I, I was saying this earlier. My biggest concern, and I don't want to say concern, is I just hope it wasn't rushed, meaning uh, – I think the reps are important if you know, right. and you're not going to then turn back. If, if, for example, the Broncos start one and two and Teddy starts out rough. The worst thing we could do is then go back to Drew. That's just my opinion. I think when you pick a starting quarterback, the dude has to be able to go out there and be confident. Hey, when I see cover three, I'm going to kill it to the shot play and I'm going to throw the shot and not worry about if I turn it over. Right. If you have a guy who's right. worried about that because he's looking over mm -hmm. his shoulder at, okay, is this the time that I get pulled? that's just a nightmare and everybody hates hearing it because they're like football should be a meritocracy in every other position but it's like there's really one position it'd be like bringing in another ceo of pepsi and being like hey guys compete we'll go with whoever the investors like like it just doesn't make sense so i you know for me i really hope that they made the decision and then now they can just roll with it and it's not one of those things that when we because you always hit tough times in a season unless you have a guy like, you know, Rodgers under center. But when we hit those tough times, hopefully they can still ride through with him and then it doesn't turn into a week-to-week -week thing like we saw with the Dolphins last year. Yeah, it's funny because that's what I was going to mention to you. They had they started with Fitz, they go with Tua, and then you have Fitz basically as this relief picture. If something like that happened here, would that be sustainable? No, I, I, I mean... You could make the argument that, hey, Miami was in the playoff hunt for a while last yeah. year, so it works. I also would tell you that I think Fitz's makeup and Tua's makeup with what Tua went through at Alabama and then Fitz and how long he's been in the NFL True. are two drastically different characters than Teddy and Drew. Because Teddy, by and large, has been the guy with the exception of sitting behind a Hall of Famer in Drew Brees. <laughs> and then Drew... I mean, let's be honest. He's probably a kid who's been the best on the playground since he was very young. He's probably never right. lost a competition. Yeah, so like I think ever. it's. I, yeah. I think we're talking about two different kind of personalities. When Drew got to Missouri, they weren't like, "Hey, man, go ahead and wait behind 
Jalen Hurts, right? And Tua, that he went through that. So I think yeah. they're two slightly different guys. It's maybe sustainable for a year, but honestly, I think if you end up going back and forth, I would just say there's no way that I think Vic gets renewed if that's where this season ends up going. All right. Um, I want to talk to you about what you saw from Teddy Bridgewater last year. Obviously, yep. you worked with his backup and PJ yep. Walker. Um, so you watched a lot of Teddy Bridgewater. I know you've also watched every snap this preseason. Um, but first, I want to tell you guys, Zach gave it out the other day as his DraftKings <laughs> pick of the week. He said Teddy Bridgewater to be the starter at plus 130. And now you got to like bubble wrap him and make sure he gets there. But if he takes that first snap against the Giants, uh, everyone who listened to you has taken that bet. Uh, just one of the many, many things you can get in over at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, and right now, if you bet $1, if you took Zach's pick and you put $1 on it as your first bet at DraftKings Sportsbook, you would have gotten $200 in free bets so they pay you out in eight $25 free bets so you can put you know 25 on the Broncos over 25 on Jerry Judy over 65 and a half receptions which now is even more of a lock than it was uh, 24 <laughs> hours ago I think um, you can just go in there uh, and kind of spread out your portfolio and get a great kickstart on your account at DraftKings so make sure you do that also make sure you use the code DNVR when you sign up and you can get a sign up bonus up to $1,000 of course you must be 21 or older Colorado only Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. The deposit bonus requires a 25x playthrough, and restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. I know from a fantasy mm. perspective, picking Teddy over Drew, probably disappointing for a lot of people because yeah. you said, I mean, the Star Wars <laughs> numbers that Drew had the opportunity to do, Teddy probably doesn't have the opportunity to do that. But what's not disappointing is holding your fantasy draft here at the DNVR bar. And when you do, speaking of not disappointing, you'll get two Free pitchers, a beer, one Breck Brew of your choice, and one draft beer of your choice. So make sure to email GM at the DNVR bar to get that set up. That's GM at the DNVR bot.com to get that set up and hold your draft here. There's no better place to do it, and you get two free pitchers of beer. Love it. And like Zach said, one of them is a Breckenridge Brew, of course, the official beer of DNVR, but not just about the beer, of course, about the seltzers. We've got the regular seltzers here. So maybe you're not a beer drinker. I'm not much of a beer drinker beyond Strawberry Sky. Well, then have some of those seltzers with your draft party. Even though you can't have a picture, you're going to want can after can after can as your picks get worse and worse and oh, worse. Oh, wow, no confidence. <laughs> hey, I, I know where my picks go after a few drinks in fancy football. Also want to tell you about the, the partnership Breck Brew has with the National Parks Conservation Association this summer. They're giving 1% of all their profits this summer to this association to give back to the great outdoors in Colorado. We know how tragic the wildfires were here in this state last year. Well, the National Parks Conservation Association is trying to help make sure that damage isn't as severe in the future, and that's why Breck Brew is partnering with them to give 1% of their profits all summer to the National Parks Conservation Association. Also, check out the farmhouse down in Littleton. If you can't come up to the DNVR bar, the next best thing is to go to the farmhouse in Littleton and use that magical code DNVR and get $5 off your order. Call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. to pick up or just go on in and eat. They've got things socially distanced if you want. You can eat on their patio. It's all good over there at the farmhouse, which is right there on the Breckenridge Brewery campus down in Littleton right off Santa Fe. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DMVR. 
All right, I want to get to what we were just talking about with breaking down Teddy, but first I think we have a super chat to get to, Kale. He said, uh, quote, it's not pleasant. So, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> oh, <There you> go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, disgusting. This is accepting mediocrity. The worst part is I like Teddy, but this ain't it. Well, it's not as bad as I thought. No. Yeah. Um, if you like and, Teddy, yeah, it can't be I think as bad. Personally, does anyone not like Teddy? No. No. And that, He's a prince of a human being. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I think he's going to be really easy to root for if they go out there and win. Yeah. And uh, winning's going to cure everything. <laughs> and if not, then everyone's going to, even all the people that were cheering for him are going to turn on him. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and then at some point this season, we will see Drew. You know, it's funny. I was laughing about that last night, thinking like, so I put out the poll 82% of people wanted Drew. And I'm like, oh, it's so funny because all 82% would turn on him instantly if he threw two picks in the first quarter against the Giants. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's just it's such a fickle <laughs> yeah. fickle thing. It's like everyone's arguing over Teddy Drew and then everyone's just gonna be on the same page that they do or don't like the guy based right. on the results. Yep. Hey look, I was here when at halftime of Broncos Chargers, the game in twenty twelve where they came back from twenty four nothing down at halftime, people are tweeting at me saying they should have kept Tim Tebow yeah. and not signed Peyton Manning. <laughs> so you know the moment something goes wrong, people are going to be on it like piranhas on meat. Wait, yes. Mace, you didn't like Tebow over Manning? Come <laughs> on, man. I was always on the both train. You know, I realized that uh, Tebow's fans didn't make that possible. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's start with the good, Tim. What When you watch Teddy, and like I said, you went through all of his tape last mm -hmm. year, all of his tape so far this year, what stands out to you positively from him? Uh, yeah, I mean, this isn't going to be sexy for the viewers, but his run game checks are really good, meaning he gets in and out of the right run play. So if you have, hey, you know, we got outside zone of the right, and if you get, we call it a box count, but a certain number of guys on each side of the center, you kill kill to the weak side zone. He does a great job with that. He does a great job of, we call it like can zipping, meaning bringing the receiver down if you have an overhang defender. does a really good job with that, and he'll get us into the right protection checks to avoid hot situations which when you look at this receiving core is what you want to do right you you don't go and get jerry judy and kj hamler and Cortland sutton to then just have teams force you into throwing hot so i think there's a lot of stuff to love about like the operation at the line of scrimmage when it comes to him um the well, good in terms of actually throwing the ball you're you're gonna really like his efficiency what is going to sometimes make you pull your hair out is willingness to take a shot, even if you have a, a premium look out there from the defense. Well, and Tim, speaking of getting the, the team into the best running checks and stuff, yep. that is probably a huge factor for Vic mm -hmm. because he wants to play great defense, yep. run the ball, and do well enough. You know, can control the game from an offensive standpoint. And you look at the Broncos and, and fans say, well, you have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, no offense. You have all these weapons. We want to throw the ball. But that's not what Vic wants to do. He wants a very strong running game. So that probably played a big part in this, is getting the team in the right spots, not just in the pass game, but in the running game as well. What I tell you is they also, you know, Shermer... A lot of people beat up Shermer last year. And there were times that it was, like, frustrating to watch him. But the dude has done some deep dives this offseason because we're already seeing stuff that I was seeing on North Dakota State tape that now is showing up in the Broncos facility and then also stuff that like the uh, BYU was doing and now the Jets and the Broncos are the only two that I've seen do it it was a touchdown that Teddy threw mm -hmm. is a same side RPO meaning hey we're running to the right but we're also going to read out if we get a bound if we get that nickel pressure which remember at the red zone yep. you saw KJ yeah. pointed out yep. hey mm -hmm. we're going to flip and throw that like BYU was the only team doing that last year so obviously they were studying the top picks and during studying Shermer went 
that's a hell of a play. Let me put that in. Right. So I, I think he deserves a lot of credit. But you're right. They're going to want to run. They're going to want to control the tempo with running the ball. You know, for me as an offensive junkie, it's like frustrating, right? Because you look <laughs> yeah. at this receiving core and not to mention the tight ends. Yeah. And there's so mm-hmm. many different like super sexy things you can do. But again, who cares, right? If you go out there and you throw and you and you drop 35, but you lose 42 to 35, nobody's going to like it. Okay. If you go out there and you win 12 to nine, everyone's going to love you. So it really doesn't matter. For me as an offensive junkie and studying all this stuff, man, yeah, I'm not going to be as juiced up when I'm tweeting out during the game, hey, power right. That's not as much fun. <laughs> but it doesn't matter if, if they win. <laughs> Formationally, what do you want to see from this offense? Because, of course, a lot was made last year of their struggles in three wide. Yep. Now, they have the receivers clearly to potentially be successful there, but is that something you want to see or do you want to see more two tight end do you want to see more eye formation with Beck serving as fullback yeah so I like the 12 personnel stuff I yeah. you know you got to know I'm, not, I'm an anti-fullback guy right I, yeah. I think we got to get rid of the, we got to get rid of that species sorry player. Apprentice. you know we got to bring in uh, more tight ends I think just I, to me I just would carry three tight ends and flex one of them as, as so the, keep Beck basically yeah. when you need yep. when, on the rare occasions you need a fullback he's your guy boom bring him in yeah. but I do I like the 12 personnel shot the, the the 12 personnel stuff in terms of running shot plays and also like the power and gap trap stuff that they do. Um, you know, I'd be a big advocate of doing what we call ot one, which is no backs, one tight end, that one tight end being Fant. Mm-hmm. And if Tim Patrick is still here, I think Cortland, Jerry, KJ, and Tim Patrick is dynamic when you put Fant as the tight end. Mm-hmm. And I would also be of the uh, group that says, teach KJ Hamler how to run the football and start out yes. an empty motion. Okay. Him, yes. you know, force a Jet team into a quarter, force them into dime motion KJ into the backfield and then go ahead and let him run the ball. So I think there's a lot of things that, you know, if I'm, if I'm them, quite frankly, I'm probably studying 2012 West Virginia. Why? Cause they had Tavon Austin. And I think they utilized him perfectly at West <laughs> mm-hmm. Virginia that if you used KJ in that same role with, with how they are, you just force And, and here's the other thing. And I don't want to get too football nerd on it. Well, when you get into Ot one and these kind of exotic personnel groupings, you guys know, like everybody, you have limited amount of time with these guys nowadays with the CBA. If you force a D coordinator to spend 20% of his week talking to his guys about something that you're in 3% of the time, mm. it completely mm. screws the game plan process. True. So I think it's what people underrate about the Ravens. How often do they run the old school veer? Not that much. But how much do NFL teams see it? Not that much. So they prep 50% of their week. Right. And then mm-hmm. they end up just running power at you. Yeah. And you're like, why can't we stop power? Well, we spent so much time <laughs> prepping for Lamar Jackson and the Veer. So there's little things that they can do. And Teddy doesn't limit you in any way in terms of running those things. The, yep. the only way I think he truly limits you is he's not as much of a hunter, meaning, hey, I'm going to go ahead and take the shot even against a pretty okay look. And he's much more of a let me be efficient, which, again, we've already established, I think is part of what made him appealing to Vic. So... I mean, I do think there's a lot of cool stuff they can do. And ter- how fast they get to it, I don't know. But I think um, there's a lot of exciting stuff they can do from a personnel perspective. Uh, you're, yeah. you're speaking my language talking about, you know, exotic formations. I just don't really trust yeah. Pat Shermer to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's saying you should. Yeah. Give him a little credit. All right. I want to get to maybe the bad stuff that you yeah. saw on film. But first, you we sure? have a bunch of Super Chats. Uh, so let's get to these let's now. Go. All, right. All right. Oh, you got it. Okay, then you don't got it. Uh, Blake Williams says, Bridgewater, really? This makes me sick. Well, $2 well spent. Uh, <laughs> thank, thank you, Blake, for the two bucks. Yes, thanks, Blake. Uh, what else we got? From Cap- Capwise. 
Uh, as we said last season, Locke was never the guy, just frustrated we didn't draft Fields, SMH, Rattler, Daniels, and Slovis in our future. And, yeah, we'll talk about that yes. maybe a little yeah. bit in the yes. third segment, talk about some of those other guys. Uh, and then one more? Two more. Um, from Simon, in your opinion, how short is Teddy's leash going to be, and what would it take for him to lose the starting job midseason? I think this is a really good question. You talked about it earlier. You know, we've joked about Bill O'Brien, who went through a whole camp, uh, ended up naming Brian Hoyer, I believe it was a yeah. starter, and then pulled him it at halftime. Tom time. Savage. Oh, was it? Yeah. See, I think yeah, it was earlier. It was a savage move. Yeah. I, uh, Hoyer, either way. They, Hoyer was 15 when he had the playoff meltdown, and they went to to Osweiler, the, the kind of the, the churn of Houston quarterbacks. Yeah. And, and, and I remember this that summer, like, why on earth are you even bothering with Tom Savage? No yeah. offense to him. But it was kind of like offensive. Justin Fields in Chicago. <laughs> you know you're giving him the baton. You know he's the guy, and he's pl- and he's doing enough to. Oh, so you're talking about Watson. Watson. You're talking about Watson. I'm talking about even before that. Oh, yeah. right. I think it was Hoyer who they named the starter because they were on Hard Knocks that year. Yeah, and one half. after the first half, yeah. they pulled him for Ryan Mallett. Yeah. And that uh, is worst oh case scenario, like Tim was saying. I <laughs> yeah. mean, if you do that. It's like, what did you even have training camp yeah. for at yeah. that point? So mm-hmm. you got to give him some leash. But at the same time, it's like you got two leashes here. How long is Vic Fangio's leash? I am of the belief that if they were to go one and two, there's a chance you would see Drew Locke start week four, which again, this is not what you yeah. want to happen. But you can't afford to go one and three because then you're staring at Pittsburgh. You're one and four. I mean, the season's over. Vic Fangio's fired. I think if it's one and two, if Drew's the starter, they are making a switch because I think Vic would want to make that switch. He'd want to go with the guy that he's most comfortable with. I think with Teddy, his leash is a little longer, but it may be as long as Vic's Vic's leash. I mean, you could see if it's a one and four start, you could see the quarterback change and the head coach change the same week. You could. (laughs) You could. You're not wrong on that. I mean, and it would make sense, right, if – all of a sudden, Mike Munchak is the head coach, and he's saying, like, well, i got to change something. Around, you know, right. i got to put yeah. my stamp well, on this thing. Give well, me Drew. You Point. literally have two former NFL head coaches, and then Mike Shule was head coach at Alabama, which is basically an NFL program <laughs> light. So you have three guys that have done it before that could very easily take over on that staff. Yeah, and then you've got, yeah. a, you know, yeah. Tom McMahon. <laughs> Man, people hate Tom McMahon. <laughs> well, Vic's basically throwing him under the bus yeah. after the game, like oh, like kickoffs. He went back to special teams yesterday. It's like, oh my, Vic, dude, it's your guy. I mean, yeah. no one made you keep him around. Uh, anyways, uh, let's go. Okay, one more super chat. Uh, how much of this is about unlocking Judy? I don't think any of it. None of it. Um, I, I would say if if OTAs would have if training camp would have been like OTAs where Drew's or where Teddy's chemistry with with Judy was just so far ahead of where Drew's chemistry was, I don't think there was, that still would play into it. But that'd be something we'd be talking about. Like what type of season is this first round pick going to have with one guy? It's going to be incredible, and the other guy's going to be nothing. But in training camp, the chemistry with Drew and, and Jerry really picked up, and, and it was pretty much the same with Teddy and, and Drew. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it's more like Jerry Judy unlocks the quarterbacks more than they unlock him, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't – but but they do have a good relationship, him and Judy. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. if behind the scenes you asked Jerry who he wanted, I think he would have said Teddy. I do. Probably. Um, Oh, we're, we've entered the Super Chat waterfall. It just never ends. Um, I, for one, welcome our Bridgewater overlord. Love it, Steve. Oh, there uh, we eventually, go. everyone's going to have to yeah. you know, unify on this. Gosh, so might as well get a head so start important. on will we, will we see Teddy Bridgewater jerseys for sale in the Broncos team shop? Yes, you of course. Have, you have to. Yes, of course. You it will be there to. tomorrow. 
<laughs> they haven't been there yet? No, they haven't. Well, last time I was in there, no Teddy. I will say yeah. that the supply chain on that sort of thing is all screwed up. So yeah, It's going to be like a month or two behind. Like, yeah. literally, Teddy could get off to a great start. They order the jerseys, and by the time they get him in the store, Trues he the struggled guy. and trues the guy. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time they get Drew jerseys in, they're, they're for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Good God. All right. Um, so let's go to the other side of things. Uh, you know, obviously, we've got to talk about both here. When you watch Teddy Bridgewater, what is it that you don't like from him? What's stopping him from becoming a great quarterback? It's just the willingness. So we talk about premium looks, right? So we have certain plays that are – whenever I say shot play, it's because, hey, it's like second and short. We want to drive the ball down the field, down the field. Right. When you call a shot play, there's premium looks, which is this is exactly what it was designed for. Yep. And then there's pretty okay looks, which is where you start to see certain guys fall off in the NFL. Like the Chad Penningtons of the world would have never thrown against that. There's certain guys that just won't, aren't willing to do that. And then like Aaron is still, you know, Rodgers is still trying to use his eyes to open it up and then he's still going to rip it. That's where Teddy needs to grow, his willingness to do it. And the reason I say he has to grow is because with Teddy, you can't let KJ... So this is what a lot of people's argument internally in the building in Carolina was about getting rid of him. A lot of people claim that he turned Robbie Anderson into a possession receiver. Robbie Anderson is not a possession receiver, right? Robbie Anderson is a is KJ Hamler, yeah, right? right? You need to right. stretch the field vertically with him. You can't allow Teddy's mentality and, and play style turn KJ into a possession receiver. If you do that... Like, there's a certain point where it's like, hey, we've got to get excited about the defense, and we all think they're going to be good. But if you go three and out two times in a row against the Chiefs and you put them back out there, mm-hmm. how many times can you really stop them? With the exception of the Super Bowl, right, when they yeah. had a couple guys out and the pass rush was unreal, mm-hmm. we've never seen anyone stop them consistently if their offense is anemic. So there's mm-hmm. got to be a point in which you can go shot for shot with them. KJ, I think, is the guy that can do it. So that's where I'd say Teddy's got to grow. He's just got to be more willing to... You're going to have a couple turnovers. But what I'd tell you is turning the ball over, driving the ball down the field in a shot play is so different in a coach's eyes than turning it over, getting to your check down, and just right. missing him like you did in Carolina. So that's the thing where it's also the thing that I would like pull the reins back slightly on Broncos country in terms of feeling like Teddy's this very safe quarterback. If you just go back and watch Carolina tape, there are safe decisions. There's also safe decisions that turn into INTs. And the one thing I'll tell you about the difference between Drew throwing the ball across his body and turning it over in the red zone and Teddy checking down and turning it over at his minus 40, those are two different turnovers. So when you talk about the way an interception's thrown or what it does to a defense, I just want to pull the reins back slightly. He very well could mesh better in Shermer's system than he did with Joe Brady. Joe Brady's a drive-the-ball-down-the-field type guy consistently, Mm -hmm. and Shermer's a little bit more pro-style West Coast. Um, but I do want to pull the reins back slightly on everyone feeling like, oh, now our turnover right. problem yeah. is cured because I'm, I'm not quite sure it is. Well, and the <laughs> numbers oh, yeah. bear that out. Like, yeah. You know, it's right. not like there was a massive gap where Teddy threw four interceptions and Drew threw 15. Yeah, right, yep. right. So, quick, Tim, really quick, when you're talking about pushing the ball downfield, are you talking 20, 30, 40 yards? What are we talking about? Yeah, anything I would say deep over and up, and deep overs end at 22 yards on the other sideline. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'd say anything 22 and up is when you're talking about the okay. shot plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen him step up. He drove that, we call it a big six route, the 20-yard end to Judy on, mm-hmm. the, on the fourth down. And, and that's being aggressive because that play's built to go to the shallows underneath. They just were covered. And he's climbing the pocket and then drove a, on fourth and five, 
for a quarterback to drive a 20 yard in that's 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 tough that's like your wife you know banning you from the sports book and then you find a way to download it on another phone right and that's that's stuff where you're really pushing the envelope if you don't complete the ball there but a shallow was open a coach is going to ream you for that so he is aggressive at times so i don't want to make it seem like he's right. not aggressive at all but it is that 22 and up Got is it. really when you're yeah. talking about those shot plays from what you watched of teddy last year did you see a difference post knee injury because a couple months ago he talked about how he looks back at last year and says i probably shouldn't have come back yeah and in terms of his performance across the board everything was down after he tried to come back from that MCL injury for those last five games. Yeah, I think you, you saw a difference in mobility within the pocket, yeah. which obviously is going to pan out in, you know, that he doesn't complete the ball to Judy if he's not agile in the pocket, right? Mm -hmm. So I think you saw a difference there. In terms of, like, style of play, you didn't see a big difference. In terms of, uh, you know, what I saw from a ball placement perspective, not mm -hmm. necessarily completion okay. percentage, I didn't see that big of a difference. You could definitely tell he was limited. Um, but I also would tell you I don't think there's been a quarterback – in the history of the NFL that goes through right. and toughs out the whole season and doesn't have something right. limiting at mm -hmm. the end of the year. They all end up having something. Now, definitely what he went through with his knee is more than most end up going through. Most guys through. probably wouldn't have come back, yeah. right? Yeah, and I, I mean, listen, most organizations wouldn't have because, you know, again, and I'm going to be super biased right now, PJ comes in and wins, wins the game. Yep. You really gain nothing. If you knew you were going to move on from Teddy, which by and large that building knew late in the season, just sit him. You're right. doing right by him. And, and find, out, find what out what you has. have with PJ versus now where they're in this situation of trying to figure out with him and Greer. So there is, you know, an interesting situation to be made that that, that organization did wrong by him too. So I think um, you saw a little bit of a difference, but I wouldn't say it was like drastic in terms of style of play. It kind of reminds yeah. me of, a little different, but kind of reminds me of Jamal Charles when he was in Denver and they weren't playing him and he was just like, just cut me yeah, so I yeah. Can go play for someone oh, else that yeah. was so sad <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean that was like he was really real about that and the fumble in Kansas City uh, yeah. yeah Marcus <laughs> Peters just ripped it right out of his hands <laughs> yeah. um, okay uh, we've got more to get to we've got super chats to get to uh, but I just want to say I feel like you know Teddy today feels like he has a fresh start Fresh, clean slate. Mm -hmm. If you need a fresh start, a fresh, clean slate, hit up our friends at Manscaped. Hey. Uh, the Lawnmower 4.0 will get you just right. And on top of just that product, they have so many other little products that I feel like will just enhance your life. You've got the, the uh, Crop Preserver. It's like a deodorant, you know, where you need it. It's good stuff. Uh, the Crop Reviver. You need a little spritz midday to, you know, again, give you a little fresh slate, like 3 o'clock fresh slate. Uh, they've got all sorts of great products over there at Manscaped. So use the code DNVR when you're over at Manscaped, and you can get 20% off plus free shipping on all their great products. Uh, we endorse them all. And you're talking about balls, Ryan. And it reminds <laughs> me of our friends over at Ball Aerospace, who, of course, are presenting with us. And, guys, they want to hire you. Not you, Ryan. Maybe you? No, not no, you. I didn't finish No, not you. They are looking to <laughs> hire do you, not do? though. <laughs> what? What I not do? Am I not good enough for ball? No. No, I, I don't want you to leave. Okay. That's why. Okay, all uh, right. And so they want to hire you. Here's what you do. Go I'm to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden to work at their plant because they're making over 100 billion cans last year and they need help making more because they're so successful and they are all about treating their employees well they have a 100 uh score for hiring diversity
diversity, and that's what they're about is treating their employees well. So make sure to check them out, jobs.ball.com. Search for Golden or text Golden to 77222 to get hooked up with more information about landing a job at Ball. Also, got to tell you about Solace Meds as well. They're a new partner for DNVR Dispensary with four locations including one on Broadway, one on East Colfax, not far from this here DNVR bar, one up in Fort Collins, and another in Wheat Ridge. I like Wheat Ridge. Wheat. 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 Wheat Ridge. Yes, love the shout-outs for Wheat, for wheat Ridge. <laughs> they have some great deals this month for you, including Dixie Elixirs, two for $30, Spectra, 20% off, Ripple, 25% off, Silver Shelf Flower, 15% off, and Connoisseur Shelf Concentrates, 15% off. And guess what? You'll get a free Solace Bar King Cone at any location when you mention the code DNVR20. So you get 20% off. And you get a free Solace Bar King Cone when you place an order with Solace Meds. DNVR20, that's the code to do it. Here's what you do. You go to their website, solacemeds.com. That's S-O-L-A-C-E, meds.com. View their menu. Order online. Then go to the nearest location and pick it up at your convenience. It's that easy. And like I said, don't forget that code DNVR20 for 20% off your order and that free Solace Bar King Cone over at solacemeds.com. I got to tell you, the ad reads throw me off because when Ryan started with the Hey, Teddy feels like he's got a fresh slate. I was like, oh, yeah, let's talk about how fresh Teddy feels right now. And then it went a whole different direction, so I, I've got to get used to it. Yeah, that's the that goal, was, right? That was a pretty smooth segue. Uh, all right, let's go. We don't have a fresh slate when it comes to uh, Super Chat, so let's get to all of those. Oh. Uh, from Cody, he says, appreciate all the great analysis. Tim. I guess I, uh, you want me to pull oh, out two dollars wow. cash. Let's go ahead. <laughs> Tell Brandon to Venmo me that on over. Oh, <laughs> that's what the X's and O's get. Uh, that's the X's and O's. All right. From Ben, he says I agree uh, that Teddy gives you the best chance to win in September, and I think that was most, what was most important to Fangio at this point. I mean, it has to be like. Yeah. Uh, he likes his job. I think he likes his job. So, you know, um, a lot of people, like, I, I asked that rhetorically the other day. I'm like, okay, so if you like your job and your job is on the line, would you rather do the thing that's best for your job to keep it? Or would you rather do the thing that's best for the company that pays your paychecks? Like, you want to, you want those paychecks to keep coming in, so you're going to do what's best for you yeah. to keep the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that that's why we think Teddy has been the front runner in Vic's eyes this entire time. And there's another thing I've been thinking about here. Vic says, okay, we're going to start the competition at training camp, maybe a small percentage is OTAs, but can you really get last year out of your mind? Does human nature mm-hmm. just kind of give you a little, dare I say, PTSD on it? I mean, and perhaps some of the things from last year did affect the decision. That's a great today. point, especially, and I, I, don't, I don't want this to sound as a criticism of Vic, but especially for more of an old-school defensive guy, mm-hmm. right? It, he doesn't necessarily look at certain interceptions and think, oh, man, we're trying to make a play, whereas a Kyle Shanahan would sit there and be like, I love it, man, if only we completed it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. There's certain mindsets that I think come with it. So uh, I, I think that's a really fair point of – did he go into this season just remembering, like, okay, I know Drew's looked good right now, but I almost wonder, you know, I was sitting there watching the game, and when he did the scramble drill and the little flip, I almost wonder if on the sideline Vic was like, that's the stuff I can't stand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I almost wonder if it's like there's that mindset too. So that is a great point. I, I mean, yeah, we were talking about it. Like, I think Vic, when he sees an eight-minute touchdown drive, is like that's better than an 80-yard touchdown. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. I legitimately think that's how he thinks. He gave the defense time to rest. You know, they were methodical. They wore the other defense down a little bit, which he can relate to from being a defensive guy. He's he like, gets a little bit of time to rest. Right. He, yeah, he's thinking, like, that is yeah. more valuable than an ADR touchdown. It's such a great point, and I think it's so cool. Like, the evolution of defensive guys, like, if you look at Nick Saban, and I, if you listen to just his commentary of where he was six years ago regarding offense, and then where he's at now, right, where he calls every offensive coordinator a Taliban, right? He's like, you guys are part of the Taliban because you're crazy, but we need more of it, right? Mm -hmm. He's talking about, hey, we need more, like, innovation in our offense. And then Vic has almost stayed consistent in terms of, hey, here's how we think we're going to win. And you wonder if in the NFL that can work in terms of more of a throwback. Like, I think – I hate always bringing up the Rex Ryan and the Jets, but that's mm -hmm. his – you know, as the most successful that I think we've seen it. Mm -hmm. in terms of those AFC championship runs they had. And when Mark Sanchez is your quarterback and you're doing that, that's super impressive, right? Yeah. So I think, yeah. you know, I wonder if it can be done. And then I wonder if because it's so different, it can be effective versus where you see the NFL going right now, which is really just all offensive-minded all the time. That's a great point because I'm thinking of Tony Dungy's arc. I saw him in Tampa Bay back in the day, and, of course, that was a defensive-oriented mm -hmm. team. And then he goes to Indianapolis. He's got Peyton Manning, obviously, but – the offense is completely different, and that's what pushed him over the top. Even Bill Belichick yeah, kind of making the same. He basically was Nick Saban before Nick Saban doing it on the pro level. So. Yeah. Well, and, they, and, and if you look at New England, they've done it in a way that you could make the argument now with Teddy. The Broncos could is New England's not necessarily a drive the ball down the field consistently mm -hmm. like you see these offensive-minded like McVay and some of these guys that everyone would say, okay, they're at the forefront. Mm -hmm. But they do – it's just an extended run game. How often do you see them throw to their running backs? Right? Yeah. It's just an extension of their and run game. And they change the running backs yeah. game to game based on what the matchup yeah. is. And they don't care who it is, right? Yeah. It's basically – K.J. Hamler would be Josh McDaniel's, like, absolute dream come true guy mm -hmm. because he would put him in the backfield. It would be Rex Burkhead, just an athletic version of Rex Burkhead, <laughs> yep. right? Who – I take Rex every year in fantasy, probably why I go 8-8 eight and eight in fantasy. <laughs> but I take him every year because it's like, oh, we're going to be okay in a PPR. Yeah. So I think it's – you know, I, I don't know. I, I think there's going to be an interesting dynamic in terms of if this can be effective, this style – and especially in our division, because our division is freaking loaded, man. Yeah, yep. true. It is. I mean, they the only way they're going to win those games is with that defense, though. Yep, yep. Um, do we have any more Super Chats, Kale? Yes, we do. Okay. Well, <laughs> right. let's just keep them rolling. Keep them rolling. By the way, I meant to mention earlier, um, we aren't going to have time to do comments from the website today, but we're going to do a big mailbag show tomorrow, make sure we knock them all out. I know we've been behind on those all week, so apologies to you guys. But there's a lot going on. I think you understand, at least today. And so uh, if we've got a lot to talk about. If you left a comment today, just make sure to drop it on, on today's podcast. There you go. All right, what else we got? Uh, from Ian, the first three games were perfect opportunity for Drew to get winnable reps and see where his progression truly is and build off of it. Now we're stuck. Again, I, I actually agree with that. It would have been a great way for Drew to build momentum, build you know confidence, and in the end, I just think Vic said, yeah, but it's more important to win. Right, exactly, exactly. He said, I need to win over helping Drew Locke progress again because Drew or Vic probably feels like he did that last year, mm -hmm. gave Drew Locke the opportunity, and the, the organization gave Drew Locke the opportunity last year to prove that he was the guy. But – it's funny because he did progress at the end of last year, and then he progressed at the beginning of this year, and that's what I think what what the Drew Locke, his biggest fans are having such a hard time swallowing is, man, he's he's progressing. He's a young quarterback who you knew was going to be a bit of a project, who is progressing, progressing, 
And now the progression is going to be stunted because he's not going to get first team reps. He's not going to be playing on Sundays. Um, and it's why, you know, I, I kind of joked about the other day, like him potentially demanding a trade. If he feels like his, his arc is just going straight up and now it's going to be stunted, his agent might be saying, hey, dude, like we need to get out of here somewhere we can play. I don't know where that would be. But it's just I, that's why I understand why the Locke fans are saying, like, what the hell? You wanted him to stop turning the ball over. He didn't turn the ball over. You, you know, you wanted him to get better at going through his reads. He got better at going through his reads. You wanted him to get better at stepping up in the pocket. He got better at all those things. And now his opportunities to get better are gone. So the question that, that we've all talked about, and, and I think it's a great one for Tim, is what's next for Drew? I mean, is his future here? Because I, I don't believe that unless he comes in and, you know, plays really well and has an eight-game stretch or something because Teddy gets hurt or doesn't play well, I don't see the Broncos going back to him as being the starter after this year. No, no. They're, they're, I think Drew's out. Drew would have to be out of here. I, yeah. I wouldn't see a reason to keep him on the – I wouldn't keep him because but if I'm an organization going with Teddy, I'm not sitting here like, man, we're good for three years. I'm sitting here like, okay, now i got to turn my eyes towards – Next year. Yeah. Right. And, you know, what the Broncos will probably end up doing is they'll probably just end up trading for Trubisky because Trubisky looked good, and then Drew will go to Buffalo, and he'll back up John. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I think what's – you know, I, I don't think you can keep Drew. It just wouldn't make sense with where mm. you need to now right. – you need to now go. I think the – there was an interesting super chat earlier about, hey, now we're talking Rattler and Hal and those yeah. guys. And yeah. it's like, are you? Because I'm pretty sure putting Teddy in there guarantees at least, what, 6 and 11 or 7 and 10? Right. So are you That's really very, getting Rattler? If, if are you really getting Hal? Yeah, yeah, only if you trade up. And then, right. if, and then are you really going to pay the price of yeah. what the it's, jet or, or people were saying, what San Fran had to pay right. to go up? And right. then you're seeing how that's paying off for San Fran. I'm not trying to say Trey Lance is bad, but noticeably different than the other four it's the it's the malik willis desmond ritter conversation now you're yeah. having i think and those are guys who come with their own kind of project yeah it's not so you're, you're acting like you're acting like <laughs> yeah people are gonna act like oh malik willis is so much safer than drew Locke, and it's like really really right. <laughs> well, uh, we got tired of talking about him because we talked about him so much i don't even know if it's that it might still just be aaron Rodgers. Just yeah. waiting, waiting out Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yeah. good Lord, if you get AR. I, I, I said this earlier, and I don't know. I, there's a lot of people that disagree with me. That would have been the thing of, like, I don't think there was a price too high. No. Nope. Yep. Mm-hmm. And well, I only you, say that because it's right like. In here. Yeah. And, and think, about, think about what Peyton did, and I'm not saying it with a roster that was ready to win. And Peyton, uh, people are going to hate me in Broncos country for saying this, but Peyton was, like, noticeably not the Peyton of old. He still was so effective with his mind that he had that unreal offensive run. But you're getting Aaron in his quote unquote prime. There's been no signs of arm hasn't fallen off. Yeah, there's been no signs of anything falling off. So it's like if Peyton did what he did coming here, imagine if you just dropped twelve in on this roster. I mean it's it'd be unreal. Yep. And I'm sure that's something that George Peyton is going to be very open to if the opportunity's there. Let's hold on the super chats just for one second because I want to make sure we get to this. I just saw you dropped a video today or Mm -hmm. yesterday about Justin Fields. Yep. Um, that's a person who's on a lot of people's minds today. Why didn't you just go with Justin Fields if you weren't going to give Drew Locke the chance? Um, how do you feel about him, Mac, all these guys? Yeah, Justin's graded out really well. He's one, too, that I wasn't high on in the draft process. So every time I watch it, I'm like, damn, man, you're an idiot. So I, I'm sitting there, and it's like, oh, this stinks, but he's doing really well. Um, he's surprisingly and, – and it's nothing against him. This is what I tried to say through the draft process because Fields kind of became a toxic character in terms of people were just levying criticism about post-snap ID and all this mm-hmm. stuff that was valid 
because Ohio State's offense is so Star Wars and gimmicky and has nothing to do with the kid. Right. The kid yeah, obviously right. could handle mm-hmm. a pro-style system. He was at Georgia, right? And yeah. you're just not going to bench Fromm, who had gone to the national title. So that was an interesting dynamic how it took. But Fields is doing great. The way I have him graded out is I have Zach Wilson far and above. He's also very limited sample size, always running with the one, so something to consider. But mm-hmm. he's graded out the best. Justin Fields right behind him, Mac Jones, and then it's a drop to Lawrence, and then it's another significant drop to Lance. Lance isn't like... It's like reverse order almost. Yeah, yeah. Lance isn't showing like, oh, wow, he's terrible. He's just Jekyll and Hyde. And mm-hmm. if you're the San Fran mm-hmm. offense right now, there'd be no reason for me to go... It's one thing to turn away from Andy Dalton, in my opinion. Right, it's another to right. turn away from Jimmy G. And I, as much as people want to trash Jimmy G, like the dude took him to a Super Bowl. He's, very he's obviously yes, playing. Right. Yeah, he's a competent quarterback in the NFL. He's someone that there's going to be a lot of teams that, if he becomes available, are going to try to trade for him. And the fan base isn't going to be excited, but internally, people are going to be more excited than certain guys that have become available and teams have gone after. So mm-hmm. that's where I have him. I think Mac Jones and the way it plays out in New England, especially with this couple of days that he's had where he's been the yeah. only guy that's mm-hmm. going to be a fascinating storyline in the nfl yep yep yeah. <laughs> and, and i mean you guys see what he did this morning no, oh i saw something yeah. he like went 16 consecutive completions or something yeah i think it was 18 he went 35 yeah. of 40 uh, uh in joint practice who gets 40 reps in a practice like oh, 40 throws in a practice because cam's out. not there Cam, yeah so. cam's out and he had a 50 yard touchdown in double coverage in the two minute window but we were talking about even when the when the broncos quarterbacks were splitting reps they were getting like nine throws a day each. Yeah, yeah. yeah Bill, Bill's Bill's one to yeah. see what his young kid has. I, I yeah. do think it's just the reps thing that you're talking about. What the NFL has shifted to with more joint practice and less playing in the preseason, mm-hmm. that's something that doesn't get talked about enough because the joint practice is the perfect way in which to get Aaron Rodgers, guys like that, reps in a controlled environment but still full speed-ish. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, without risking injury. So I think that's a storyline that not enough people are addressing is like this shift to where I wouldn't be surprised if part of the CBA is we're only doing two preseason games. We're going to up joint practices, but you'll Mm -hmm. see no starters anymore. It'll just be twos and threes. Let's figure out who we're cutting, and then we roll into the the regular season. And a bunch of teams had two sets of joint practices this summer, and the Broncos only had the one against Minnesota. Didn't yeah, I think one's original. I think they wanted yeah. to get one with the Rams this week. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so well, yes. what Tim just said is Vic Fangio's yeah. dream yes. uh, is yeah. having 10 joint practices yep. and then the preseason games just for the backups. I would literally, I, if I was a, uh, here's what sense. I would do, honestly, <laughs> if I was a head coach. You drop me in and you said, hey, you got to build a preseason program. Mm-hmm. We do three weeks of joint practice, whatever we can negotiate with that other team in terms of joint practice. Mm-hmm. And I play my starters, you're going to love this, for one or two series after halftime in the first and the second preseason game here's why oh. alabama schedules yeah. little sisters of the poor why to get reps in a controlled yeah. environment where we dominate i just bring them out after halftime Confidence. let them roll against the threes right. make everyone go crazy right. but to me it's the way of giving yeah. them the brain triggers of being at oh sorry at empower right yeah without the risk of really getting hurt and we just go ahead and beat up on a one double a team that we paid yep. to come up here and play us <laughs> yeah. and then we roll into the regular season i yeah. like that it's different I mean, anything different at this point is good. Yeah. (laughs) Sick of the same old, same old. Um, Have you begun to look at next year's quarterbacks at all? A little bit. I've watched the kid from Boston College that people are high on. But, I I mean, I've seen glimpses of of these guys. To be honest, I I try to not watch as much junior tape because Mm -hmm. one thing that I've learned quickly is uh, 
there's going to be someone out there who's going to all of a sudden climb up, skyrocket mm-hmm. these yeah. draft boards yeah. that I don't want to not be able to watch. So I, I, I'll start watching them in week one. I think there's a lot of intriguing prospects. Um, and a lot of people are going to say it's nothing like this year. I, I, I think we'll, we'll find out quickly because mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, as much as we were sold is going to make anyone great. I think we're learning that the NFL is still a different beast. And unless your roster's good, uh, quarterback. I mean, listen, Tim Couch was a hell of a prospect coming out, if you guys remember him. And then yeah. that's two know. Nebraska references for you today. That's <laughs> over, <laughs> way <many>. over the <laughs> limit. Wait, Tim Couch was Kentucky, though. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, I'm thinking of Eric Crouch. Eric Crouch, Crouch. Yeah. <laughs> who I would never say is a heck of a prospect because yeah. he's, he's an option guy, and I'm jealous of guys that can run. So no, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how this draft class shakes out. I've seen them, and you can definitely tell why Spencer and those guys are at the at the top, but. Uh, there's, I think there's risk with all of them in this class. So, Tim, what does Teddy have to do this year, whether it's wins, whether it's his numbers, to be the guy next year? Because the Broncos, he's not under contract next year. What does he have to do to get another shot here and what would end up being a $25, $30 million deal? Yeah, uh, I mean, he's got to – I mean, to, for me to really want to extend Teddy, it would be we either win the division or we're close to winning the division. I think that's the only way. I don't think there's a – even if he was like 35 and 5 and the Broncos don't make the playoffs, I wouldn't pay Teddy Bridgewater $30 million. That's what I think mm-hmm. is hard about this situation, too, going yeah. Teddy, is it's like, let's say he does work out. Is he really the guy that you want to Matt Flynn yourself to? Right. Mm-hmm. And then go ahead and now all of a sudden, I, I'm, you know, I guess then you're okay and you're protected because the first round quarterbacks are only going to make so much. Well, but still, man, it's like, yeah. I, 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 he's just not a guy, really. There's just been too many of them. Right. How many times is, do Matt Flynn and Chase Daniel and guys like this fleece the league before the league stops doing it? Case right? Keenum. Like, I mean, right. Case Keenum. I mean, <laughs> I mean Brock Osweiler, right? How, yeah. He fleeced yeah. the NFL. I, I yeah. think there's so many guys that it's like, I get that there's a premium on the position, but at what point do you, do you go, hey, man, do I really want to do this? And the thing is, cap-wise, the worst thing you can do in terms of resource allocation is give big money to a guy who's like lower second tier, third tier. I mean, Joe Flacco with Baltimore was a great example. Yep. They win the Super Bowl. They give him $20 million a year, which back then was elite yeah. tier money. And then that contract is the anvil that's weighing down the entire roster. I mean, look at, Russ, five years. Look at Russ in Seattle, right? Yeah. And Seattle's still a good ball club, but it's definitely not the right? same. Yeah, not even close. You look at Russ in Seattle, and then you look at these guys. I mean, you wonder what the Cowboys are going to look like in three years, right? And is Dak at such a high level that you feel like he can carry you regardless. Those are things that I just would never, yeah, I just wouldn't be, yeah. I, and to I just don't think there's anything he can do, yeah. and I don't want to be mean to the guy. If he went out there and all of a sudden they won the division, okay, right? Because right. that means he right. had an unreal year and you went in and mm-hmm. beat some clean teams that you weren't supposed to. Yeah. Unless Mahomes got hurt. Yeah. Even yeah, I mean, yeah. what's what's interesting? Like, he's not gonna throw thirty-five touchdowns. I mean, yep. if he throws twenty, it would be a significant career high. Um, and so, I think that George Payton knows. I think he's a smart guy. He's looking around the division and saying, "Okay, we eventually we're gonna have to go and take a risk on a, on a long-term guy, or go get Aaron Rodgers." It's like you yep. have to either get an established guy or you have to take your shot. And I think you know he didn't feel comfortable with the guys this year. He didn't want to take that shot now. He knows he has six years to get this thing figured out, and he just said, "Like, all right, well, we're gonna, we're gonna figure this out later." 
basically. And he, I just don't think – I really don't think there's anything Teddy could do unless, like you said, they go 14-3 and three yeah. and, you know, right. they win the division. 17 and, games. Look at you. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting pretty good. I keep doing that too where I'm like, oh, no, that's 16. Yeah. I do – I, I want to make one th- – I think this year I don't want to say ruin George Payton, but I think this year as a GM was kind of like really – trying from a mental perspective because we saw so many franchise quarterbacks become available that we would have never imagined being available before like we would have never in the past seen guys like Stafford dealt so to me it's like now if he's sitting there thinking okay well if a guy like Stafford's coming available each year Stafford's the kind of guy that I would have said if we would have got Stafford there's something he could have done to say, okay, right. we're going to go on this four-year window with yes. him. Yes. Mm-hmm. I just don't think Teddy's in that category well, when that, it comes and, to QB. And, and, and that's fair because also look at what the Broncos would have had to trade to get Stafford, two first-round yep. picks. They traded a sixth-round pick and are paying him $4 million yeah. this year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the differences there back yeah. up exactly what you're saying, too. Just yeah. the commitment from the organization isn't there either. Yeah, no doubt. The fact that they got Teddy for a sixth, right, is unreal, in right. my opinion. Right. I think and that Teddy's Carolina's paying a chunk of his salary. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Oh, that's always isn't that always tough? Could you imagine like DNVR being like, "Hey, I'm gonna right. pay you to go work somewhere." Else. <laughs> right. But that a tough day. <laughs> but, that, but that can be that motivation. I mean, remember in Moneyball where Billy Bean goes up to Dave Justice and says, "Hey, the Yankees are playing you yeah, to, to, not, to not hit for them." Yeah. And the light bulb kind of clicks on. He's like, "Okay, yeah." Yep. <laughs> then there's the opposite, which was. Um, Oh God! Who was the coach at CSU who left for uh, Fort Collins yep. or for left for Florida? Yep, Matt uh, McElwain. Yeah, Matt McElwain. Yeah. He paid them to be able to leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we've got some more super chats here. Kale, can we pull up? A- Okay, so when Kale's pulling those up, I have to ask you about this, Tim. So we all know how good of a season Justin Herbert had last yep. year. Ryan isn't sold on him being the guy yet. Uh, let's, I just said oh, let's okay. see what happens in year two before we crown him. You know, uh, the next. You're a little John more skeptical. A little more skeptical. Yes, I'm more skeptical yeah, than. Right. Yeah. I I think he's the truth. Yeah. Where Where do you stand? In terms of regression, I would tell you this is just my and I and again I was wrong on Justin Fields, so it could be very wrong again. I do I think. I would be more willing to bet on a Josh Allen regression than a Justin Herbert regression. And the only reason I say that is Herbert was against certain coverages. He got to certain spots that you don't see rookies do. Whereas Josh Allen still was very much making plays. He just made them at a higher rate. So when I look at quarterbacks, to me, I'd rather bet on the guy who consistently identifies a messy look and gets the right receiver then right. is relying on arm talent. So if I were in terms of betting, I'd bet Josh Allen regression over Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert's game last year really sets him up to, to minimize his year two, his sophomore slump. I don't think he's going to go and then exponentially jump from here to where all of a sudden he's in the Rodgers category. Right. But I do think he... Just the way he made his decisions is much light, much less likely to have the sophomore slump than most guys. Um, and whereas Josh Allen, I think there were still a lot of plays that were very much, hey, man, I've got a bazooka attached to my arm, and that helps me. Is, yeah. is there anything, though, where it's just like he is just that athletic, his arm is that good, where it's just like uh, he can pretty much get away with whatever right. he there wants? Definitely, there are definitely – I mean, like you watch, the, you watch Mahomes play, and there's things that he does from a biomechanic standpoint that you would – never train a kid to do Mm -hmm. and you probably just let it go in the coaching room because it's like yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that sucks but i don't want to mess him up right so i do think there's that argument to be made you know for josh allen and guys like that the question is is 
do defenses from a scheme perspective now adjust to a guy like Josh Allen and what Buffalo was doing in terms of we call them ladder concepts, but really trying to stretch the field? Do they now have a better game plan going into it? Whereas the year before they were very much like West Coast ish. And that's not that doesn't fit Josh's game, whereas more of the latter mm-hmm. concepts do. I had to laugh. Uh, CU just like signed this um, walk-on quarterback the other day, and he posted like his workout highlights, and like all of his throws are like him throwing off his back foot into like yeah. a trash can <laughs> in the back corner yeah. of the end zone. And I'm like, that's the Mahomes effect right now. Yeah, it's right. like mm-hmm. when Steph Curry started doing it. Every kid's like, oh, I have to be able to step five feet behind the three-point right. line yeah. now. And yeah. Now you've got Bones Highland going to the nuggets in the twenties and he can do it now too. Like that was a novel thing. Now every young quarterback is like, I got to be able to throw like sidearm, no look off the back foot into the corner of the end zone. It kind of came naturally to Mahomes because he had a baseball background. And that's a lot. And like with Russell Wilson as well. And like some of these guys that come from baseball and you see that they, they've got that, that ability to just wing it in there uh, off platform with a lot of accuracy and a lot of velocity. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, you're, you're dead on. You're dead on. I, I'm also, you know, I, I think when you talk about how to become an NFL quarterback, the worst thing a kid could do is say, I'm going to, I want to be like Mahomes right. mm-hmm. yeah. or, Hey, I'm going to go play baseball so I can change my arm <laughs> angles. Right. Like it's the right. worst thing you could do because the guy that I, I always point everybody to is Drew Brees. When you talk about a normal human being going and playing in the NFL and doing really well, it's Drew Brees, right? right. Peyton Manning's out of the discussion because Peyton Manning isn't a normal human being. He's six five, right? He so when you talk about, yeah, he's got mind like a steel yeah, trap. and you and you grow and up in a house where your dad's an NFL. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of things that. But when you talk about Drew Brees, there's really nothing, right? He's no different than most people walking around planet Earth, except for the fact he got really biomechanically sound in his, we call it arm slot variation. Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about, the sidearm, is as limited as we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. He never varied his arm. You know, so to me, it's like when you talk about the kids, like yeah, when I. You know, I'll fly down to our Houston location and watch kids train, and they still are saying Mahomes. Or it's like everywhere is Mahomes-driven. Mm-hmm. I, I, it is kind of funny, and I do say, you know, I think you've got to kind of look at the guy and say, am I, am I Patrick Mahomes? Could I have gotten drafted in probably three sports? I don't know. Right. right. Uh, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> All right, Kale, let's finish up these Super Chats. Wow. All right, uh, from Bradley. Uh, Teddy this year, A-Rod for a couple of years, and then Arch Manning for the next 15. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. So I, I take it you haven't looked at Arch Manning yet? Yeah, I have not, yet. I, I've, seen his, I've seen his highlights on Twitter, but I have not done a deep dive on his high school tape. <laughs> Where Gosh, do you think he goes to college? Tennessee. I mean... Because all the Ma- the Manning kids have always gone where David Cutcliffe. Yeah, I go. I say Duke. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Duke's the dark horse in all this. Man, that'll be a powerhouse. For if you don't go to, I, I don't understand. And and if I'm unless you really want to be so different, but if my uncle is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and he decided to spend his off season with right. a guy, yeah. how do you yeah. not go and play for yeah. him? Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Cutcliffe makes a lot of sense. Is Cutcliffe going to still be around? Then? Well, that's the thing. I mean, does he decide? Does he say I'm getting I'll out, or, for or does he say yeah, I'm going to? I'm coaching yeah. Arch, and then I'm out. Yeah. Well, because if he's he basically has a, coached for yeah. life at Duke right now because he's the only coach that's done anything worth yeah. noting at yeah. Duke in the last last thirty years. I didn't think of the Cutcliffe effect. I mean, yeah. if he has a promise, but like. You can't put that on Arch to be like, hey, uh, I'm going to retire or I'll wait for you. Right. You know, that's kind of messed up. But you know, maybe a lot Cutcliffe of stuff will retire after, you know, mm-hmm. February 7th or whatever yeah. of that year if Arch doesn't come. Right. Yeah. Hey, you exactly. know what? I was trying to stick it out for this guy, <laughs> yeah. but now I'm not ready. To, I'm yeah. not, I don't want to do it with you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I were him, I don't know. There's just 
something about Tennessee where I would just be like, uh, if I want, I, I'm going to do the whole Peyton Manning thing. Mm. Or you could say, I'm going to go to Alabama. How about I got the yes. best answer? I'm going to go to Colorado. Uh, yeah. oh. I'm not going to lie. If I'm Arch, yeah. it, here's what I think is going to be interesting. And not, the Mannings don't need the money. But if I'm Arch, I'm going to Texas. Who's going to pay their kids the best? If you have a star and you go to Texas, do you know how many oil sponsors are going to sponsor the starting <laughs> quarterback at Texas it's who true. are unreal? It's Alabama, true. too. Okay, yeah. then I think if we're talking about big money, we're, we got to think about Oregon, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, could you imagine? Phil Knight. Like, Nike. What yeah. will it take? What's it going to take, Arch? For yeah. you, Arch. <laughs> I don't know. That uh, that DNVR NIL deal, if he goes to CU, is going to be juicy. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I mean, Peyton can sell him on Colorado. It's all, it works out great. <laughs> there you go. He can stay but, in but I'm really talking myself into a this. A Manning has to play, play college football somewhere in the southeastern quadrant yes. of this yes. country, right? Yes. I mean, basically, nope. can't play <laughs> south of, like, these – can't play north of DC. Can't no. play <laughs> east of the of Texas. I'm just saying. All right, I think we've reached the Arch Manning <laughs> limit. Uh, all right, what else we got, Kale? Zach, uh, Drew Chance will be loud on every poor throw. Scared? Uh, sorry. Scared to add Teddy to the list of names like Simon Keenum. Uh, uh, Simon. Simeon. Oh, Simeon. 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 And Flacco. Hey, Kale, can you move that monitor back uh, closer to it. us? I'll read it. Okay. I'll read it. Um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing, though. You don't have to play at home until you're potentially 2 0. You're if playing you're, at home if, on Saturday. I don't think people are going to be going crazy in the preseason. I don't think for, Drew's going to play. I mean, it would be silly if he did. Teddy's yeah. not going to play. Yeah, so you're not going to see a, a Teddy bad throw yeah. and booze. But worst case scenario is Drew goes out there and plays really well. I think you're. I think that's, that's a great point. Worst case scenario. Yep. The only way I could see them playing him is if they were actively trying to shop him. Oh, and that's a great point. Mm -hmm. You know, look at you. And they're just saying like, "Hey, watch Drew go carve up these fours and fives." So here's what you do then: you have Brett start the game and do what you said about bring your starters. Drew in. You have Drew in. You bring Drew, Drew in with Cornlin and Jerry, and you say, "All right, boys, <laughs> go get me a second round pick." <laughs> oh, oh that'd my. be great. <laughs> all right, what else? Next one coming in from Colin. He says, fact of the matter for all Locke fanboys, he is not as accurate at Teddy. This is why he wasn't chosen. No other reason. LOL. Well, I don't think it's that simple, um, but Teddy is more accurate. Yep, has been be like, over the course of his yeah. career. It'd be like me telling Elon Musk the reason the rocket didn't work is because it didn't work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that simple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Next one coming in from from Cody, he says, Bridgewater equals play not to lose. Locke equals play to win. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the way we want to think about it. Um, I just don't think that's the way they're thinking about yeah. it. I, think, I mean, yeah. it, it, I guess he's trying to point to the higher ceiling, lower floor. You know, Teddy has a, a higher floor than Drew, and Drew has a higher ceiling. Right, but if you're telling – again, this is oversimplifying, but if you're telling Vic – Okay, so one week you're going to beat the Giants 35-10, but the next week against the Jags you're going to lose 17-16, whereas Teddy you're going to win, win both games 17-16. Like he's yeah. obviously taking that one. He yeah. wants the less variance. Yeah, yeah. exactly, 100%. All right, Kale, next one coming in from Capwise. It says, Locks still dance and sign with a clipboard on the sideline. Will Locks still oh. do that? mean no no yes. <laughs> <laughs> next one from uh from will he says vanilla gorilla here 
If you go out and buy a Teddy jersey, is it time to relinquish control of your finances? You can't be trusted <laughs> to make any decisions. Probably the same people bought a Flacco jersey two years ago, right? I'm sure and there's certain people who just want whoever the starting quarterback of the Broncos is, they want his jersey. Yep, yep. Quick plug. I, I saw am doing a Twitter jersey, giveaway. If you hey, go retweet one of my things, I'll, I'll get you a jersey if, you, if you're the winner. So I will yeah. happily buy you a Teddy jersey in six months when they get in. <laughs> <laughs> about that? I did I see it. a Simeon jersey on the hill last week, guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I actually yeah. heard there was still Simeon jerseys. The way you said the hill, I thought you were like going out in Boulder. Yeah, <laughs> Mace is just fratting. Hey, out in Boulder. I'm, I'm going. I'm going all old school here. I'm just gonna be like Will Ferrell, just yes. running, yeah. running, running <laughs> down <laughs> Pearl Street naked. You know, wow, that's going streaking. <laughs> oh, all right, let's end these out here, Kale. Next one coming in from I am Supreme says. Locke is a bust back our new quarterback. Let's go Broncos. I can agree with that second part. Let's yeah. let's back the quarterback who it is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, we'll be talking about what if with Drew forever. Yep. Until it's until they get their guy. Right. I just mean like you know? I think his there's so many circumstances that just didn't really work out for him as an NFL quarterback. Um and we'll see if he gets another chance somewhere yeah. else to be a starter, but even just like the little things like flipping, you know, Scangarello on him right when those two I thought were really clicking and TC McCartney, I thought those those guys had a great we'll be saying, Oh, what if that didn't happen? You know? Right. He's four and one as a starter going into his second year and then they changed the scheme on him and COVID hit and he didn't have uh, you know a chance to be in the building and learn that stuff. So I just think it, it, I, I won't I won't look at Drew as a bust uh, in Denver just because of the circumstances. Well, it's hard. If, if it's a first-round quarterback that doesn't make it, it's a bust. Anything else, in my opinion, it, it's it's hard to put that for the quarterback position to say it's a bust. And I even mean, when you get the, the back half of the first round, the success rate plummets. Yep. Right. So really, once you're, at your, once you're past pick 12 to 15, it, it drops off a cliff in terms of finding the guy. Yep. And so... There's, I, I can't think of any circumstance where I, where I will ever regard Drew Locke as a bust, no matter what. I think it's an interesting point you made. I also like, I'm a big believer in that a lot of QBs, when you talk to NFL quarterbacks around the league, it's fascinating how many times guys claim they had just figured it out and they were on their way out. Mm. And I think it plays the mm-hmm. Mace's point. And, and honestly, yeah. I don't think it's, I don't necessarily think it's because the level of prospect is so mm-hmm. different. I think it's because when we take quarterbacks in the top 10, yeah. no one – so let's say Chicago turns the fields at the end of this year. No one would think about then like after a couple games next year, okay, we need to go get another quarterback. We've mm-hmm. seen it once with Josh Rosen, I'd say. Mm-hmm. But right. that's such yeah. so different because you got Cliff. And, and you have the number one overall pick. Right, right. But I do think we, get, we tend to, guys in the top ten, give them a really long leash, and we tend to more or less make it a little bit harder on the guys outside of that. And, I, and in a position where it really is one of those things that there is so much trial and error associated with it, and we have been ruined by the guys that came in and did it really well early. Right. But we forget, like, what made Aaron Rodgers great? Was it his time sitting? Was it, hey, once he was there, then they said, no, Brett, we don't want you back? Mm-hmm. Like, is Aaron Rodgers who he is today if the Green Bay Packers welcome Brett back that, that final time? Yeah, right. Or Maybe is not. all right. of a sudden Aaron Rodgers now someone we regard as, oh, that kid, he could have been great, but, you know. I mean, right. I, I think it's he, interesting. And they're he looking might not have even me. been a Packer. Right. Yeah. And they're looking, now they're looking for the transition 2.0. 
Yeah. Because they're thinking, okay, well, if we do this right, Jordan Love can be the yeah. seamless. <laughs> well, it's not particularly seamless because even that first year with Rodgers, they went six and ten. Yeah. Now there were a lot of injuries going on, but still, it was a team that went from thirteen and three to six and ten, and yet everyone came out of that season knowing, okay, we got the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's. I just think it's. One of those things I do think the more patience and it's hard. It's like with coaches, you know, more patience usually helps. But then at the same time, are you then, you know, kneecapping yourself into six and ten for three years instead right. of yeah. realizing you don't have the right guy? Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Let's get these final two. Next one coming in from Zachary again. Zachary hooking it up today. He says it's more than just who is better for this team this season. For the Teddy people, are you really willing to pay twenty-five to thirty million dollars for him? And I think the bar, like Tim said earlier, I think the bar is set very high for him in order to get that next year. And while we talked about the future a lot with Drew, it's just possible that the Broncos never viewed him that way. They viewed both of these guys as a one-year solution. Mm, And obviously Drew had the youth on his side to where if he blew up, well then, yeah, you would be a lot more willing to pay that big contract to him in the future. But, I mean, you know, these guys have been around football a long time. They might just be looking at Drew and saying, well, he's not the guy either. Teddy at least, you know, helps us win a little bit more this this year. And Peyton was part of the Vikings when they drafted Teddy. He may look at at Teddy and say, well, he got derailed by this injury, but here we are, we're five years out, he's fully recovered. Maybe he can be that guy I thought he was going to be. I hope he's not thinking that. But that would be the Joe Flacco's in his prime five years ago sort of thing. It would also be like the ultimate pride, right? The ultimate of, A, Mm. I want to prove that I was right in Minnesota. So that when I go back to Minnesota, I can look at him and say I was right. (laughs) Which which usually doesn't help us run an NFL organization. They have that whole like three quarterback decision, right? Who did they have? Case? Case, Teddy, and who? And Bradford. Bradford. They started because they went. Oh, they they said none to all of them, right? Right. And they said let's bring in Kirk Cousins. Yeah, and pay him the thirty million. And they paid him the money, but what have they got now? Like nothing. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he likes it. He got plexiglass. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And final one. Oh, two more. Coming never in from, from Jaya, yeah, exactly. I he never says, even told Tim how long he was going to be. <laughs> oh, it's all good. I got nothing to time. He says, Teddy is fine with stellar defense. The, the worrisome part is if our defense gives up 28-plus points, can we be certain we can keep in, in those games? Literally no one yeah. can be certain of that, but no, especially anyone that doesn't have Mahomes, Rodgers, or someone of that yeah. ilk. Yeah, if We if, brought it up yeah. yesterday, and the one thing to give you hope of that is what Teddy did in Kansas City last year when he put up 31 mm. points. Kansas City put up 33, so it wasn't good enough. Yeah. But, yeah, Teddy is, is capable of putting up 30-plus points, but it's not going to be Peyton Manning where he averages 30 points, so you can expect that every week. I always say the number is 23-and-a-half. You expect to win. You should expect to win every game that your defense gives up less than 24, and you should expect to score 24 on offense every week. When you're a defensive team, yeah. when you give up 28 points, you should not expect to win. You right. your defense lost you the game, right? In my opinion, especially this defense. All right, now we're on our final one coming in from Winton. He says, "Lock starts week four after we lose to one or more of the three cream puffs we start with at and then and nine at best." I mean. There's no uh, no chance they're gonna pull Teddy if he's two and one. No, yeah, no, they won't. I mean, because they'll be winning, right? Unless it was like we're winning two six pick to sixes three. or something, <laughs> right? and it's like he's put us in a tough situation. Right? But yeah, I do think that. Yeah, the schedule's easy, but it, we're we're making it seem like 
or Broncos fans, I think, are we're very certain about this defense. Yes. Which mm-hmm. I think is, if we're making the argument that both of the quarterbacks were limited, then training camp being successful shouldn't then make you think this defense is stellar. Yeah, That's right. fair. I mean, right. but w- there's nothing about this defense that you shouldn't be confident in. Agreed. I also think that I would make the argument that I do think the first three games we play, all three of those quarterbacks could flash and be a much yep. higher yep. level of pass than really they've seen in training camp. Right? Yeah. If all of a sudden Daniel Jones turns into the guy that he was when they went down and beat Tampa or whoever when he mm-hmm. was a rookie, that's a, all of a sudden becomes a tougher game. If Trevor Lawrence and if Shoddy isn't running the anemic stuff that he's showing everyone in preseason, all of a sudden they come out in something different. That's just an advanced scout nightmare because right now the yeah. advance is already done on them. If right. you then now say, oh, my God, all this is wrong. We need to redo the data. That's all of a sudden tougher. And then the Jets, like, dude, Zach Wilson, with the way that the Broncos are going to get after the passer, it's almost a downside because I think they're better when that kid's creating. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to be interesting. Good I'm not trying. Hopefully at least we, finish, have, we start 3-0 yeah. or 2-1. <laughs> at least they have film, though. Like, I, I feared the Jets game or Jaguars game in week one, yeah. seeing them for the first time. You get one game of regular season film on Trevor. You get two games of regular season film on Zach Wilson. Yep. And that gives them a chance to counter what they're going to do. So I feel better about those games than if either of them was the lid lifter on this. Yeah, schedule. very true. And you also you're also getting you're getting the Zach Wilson tree, right? Mm-hmm. The I mean the we've had an OC in the past that was from that San Fran tree. So they know somewhat yeah. hey, the wrinkles that really come off of it. With that being said, I think the what you do with Zach Wilson will probably be a little bit different, but it's fa- it's a fascinating start mm-hmm. because you almost think, yeah, if they don't start two and one and three and zero, oh, yep. like you're talking yeah. about, how how much are people here pissed off? Not only about the quarterback, but I mean, all of a sudden, yeah. very. I'm not saying there's no easy games in the NFL, yep. but if you can't win those, it's time to hammer the panic button. Yep, I, I really feel that way. Um, Oh, we, <laughs> this is yeah. the last one. No more we super actually chats have to go. Says Hayden says September looks easy. Yes, but these are all still professional teams, just like we were saying. If the Broncos lose two of those and Teddy is pulled, is Vic done? I mean, this is Vic's last big decision. If that, if he's wrong about it, right? Like you, you know, if Teddy goes out there and lays an egg, and you're one and two, or God forbid, zero oh and three. You got to go. I think Vic makes it till November because what has George Payton said? The expectations for this year are competing in November if, and December. So I think he, he, he lets him go until November. If they're one and seven, he'll be oh gone. God, oh, God, God forbid, Zach. Come on, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get another super chat, I'm just going to wrap us up here. <laughs> we've, all, we've all got things to do, places to be. Uh, appreciate everyone who tuned in today. We also appreciate Green Mountain Dental. Uh, they have the best damn family on uh dentistry in the metro area if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam you can get a free sonicare toothbrush from our friends over at green mountain dental so hit them up again thank you to everyone who watched if you liked it hit us with a thumbs up huge thank you to tim also yes, thank you thank for you, sponsoring tim. some uh, holes at the golf tournament yeah, Appreciate yeah. It too. i i'm gonna I'm, I'm not gonna lie i had no intention of doing it until i saw mario tweet out once so i was like i just gotta one up mario oh. <laughs> well who's gonna come one up tim now <laughs> So we need someone to come in for three. Yeah, someone's got to come in for three. (laughs) All right. uh, Again, thank you guys. Thanks, Tim. And uh, we'll see you guys later.
first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.